Welcome back, guys, to Just a Girl in True Crime. I'm your host, Heaven. Um, so when I recorded my podcast last Monday, I believe, I told you guys a little bit about the case of who we were doing. Um, I wanted to upload it Friday, but there was so much information that I wanted to put into this one. And it's definitely going to be three parts. So we're just going to hop into Gabriel Fernandez part one and you know we're gonna do like a little background story on the people and everything and get to know them I guess a little bit and we're also going to touch case on a teacher and two social workers and some family of Gabriel's so we're just gonna jump right into it because I have a lot all right let me find my spot um real quick if i cannot stress this enough if you're not into listening to like child abuse and stuff like that i highly recommend you skip the three episodes that are probably going to be back to back to back um if you can't it, not if you can't if you don't feel comfortable listening to that is fine um, and like I said, I can't express that this is probably one of the worst child abuse cases that I will ever do in this, but I still feel like his story needs to be out there and needs to be told. Um, I did watch The Trials of Gabriel Fernandez on Netflix, and it broke my heart, and it's just a sad story. And... um. This case really hits home for me because of my childhood. It wasn't to this extent, but it was just terrible. Um, But anyway, like I said, we're just gonna hop right into this. So let's talk about his mom, Pearl Cynthia Fernandez. And just get some info, like, you know, in her childhood of what I could find and stuff like that. So, Pearl was born August 29th, 1983, which is crazy because I was born August 27th, 1996. So, she's not, she's older than me, obviously, but not, not like far, I guess. Not too far from me, anyway. Her parents are Sandra and Robert Fernandez. Um, Her father was in and out of jail during her childhood, and she claimed that her mother didn't love her and would hit her as a child. Pearl also attempted um, to perform well during her scholastics, as it very well may seem to seem from, like, the records appeared during her court hearings. Aside from this, a severe truth in the general public and sexual maltreatment is additionally appealed in these records as well. Pearl's uncle attempted to assault her for her and sexual maltreatment and even a few men continued assaulting her all while she was in while she was a prisoner for a long time. 
that was not in the slightest degree sample for her experience that at one moment she even chose to end her own life but however rather her doing that she went and admitted herself to a clinic and when pearl was i believe i'd said nine when she was young like at the age of nine Oh man, hold on. Sorry, I think I missed a page. Um, I'm sorry, when the, at the age of nine, she was like into like, I think I read she started to do like hardcore drugs and she drank. I think I wrote it again somewhere. So if I uh, repeat myself, I apologize. It's almost 1.30 Sunday morning and I'm doing this. So Pearl has three children named Virginia e- Ezekiel and Gabriel. Um, their father's name is Arnold Contreras. I think I pronounced that right. Um, Pearl ran away from home when she was 11. And she also claimed that she was sexually assaulted in her teens. Her turbulent childhood and youth led to her being diagnosed with with depressive disorder, development disability, and possible personality disorder and possible post-traumatic stress disorder which people mostly know it as PTSD. As an adult Pearl claimed she was in multiple abusive relationships. Now I'm going to bring this person in and then we're going to go back to him so just he's not going anywhere. Um, While in a relationship with Isaro Aguirre, she said that she was using opiates, and like I just said, we'll be talking about him in a little bit, but Pearl's relatives claimed that she was the one who was actually violent and controlling towards her boyfriends, including Isaro, as well as her children's father, Arnold, Um, so even though Pearl had three children with Arnold, they weren't together while he was incarcerated for robbery, robbery and possession. So shortly after she had Gabriel, um, she passed him off to her uncle and her parents. And her uncle was named Michael... Limos Carnaza. I don't think I... I'm not good with pronouncing Spanish last names. I'm sorry. Well, and like I said, that was Pearl's uncle. He was in a relationship with David Martinez, who appears in The Trials of Gabriel Fernandez. Pearl gave three-day-old Gabriel to Michael to raise... She didn't want him, and the family didn't want her to have him. Okay? Martina said in the Netflix show, We convinced her to have Gabriel and for her, for her to give him to us so they can raise him. But they used the word it. They said they convinced her to have it. And 
I don't like calling children it's or like things because that's not what they are. I'm sure they didn't mean that, but I just don't, I don't like saying that. So I used his name, Gabriel's name. So Michael and David raised Gabriel for four years before her parents, Sandra and Robert, had got custody of him. I'm not, I want to say in the Netflix series, and I could be wrong, so I'm not going to say this is 100% sure, um, because obviously Michael and David were gay, which there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you love who you love. I don't judge that. But I think her parents were like, you know, they just didn't like it and they wanted him to be raised in a home with like a mom and a dad figure. So that's, I believe, like I said, don't, don't quote me on that, that they wanted to raise him in a mother, father, mother, father household. So the four of them did everything they could to give Gabriel a loving household and each treated him as their own son for the first seven years of his life. Um, and that's what I found about Pearl. And now we're going to talk about Asaro. But I could not find much on him. So his thing is going to be very short. So Asaro Igire was born on June 13th in 1980. He was a security guard employed by AVL Private Security. Since October 2012, he was working security for a Valaterra market in Palmdale, California. But actually, before he was a security guard, he was a caregiver and a driver at a retirement home. So we're just going to take a minute to let that process. Like, how, how was he a caregiver? Okay. And if you were a caregiver, how can you do what they did to an eight-year-old child? Okay, that makes no sense to me. Honestly, it doesn't. Surprisingly, his former employees spoke highly about Isaro in court, and they were shocked to even learn about his heinous act. Even his former boss, who testified as a character witness in court, saying that Isaro was an excellent caregiver, and the elder, elderly, elder residents remembered him fondly. And, like I said before I went into him, I couldn't really find much of his early life. I know he was held back in 9th and 11th grade, but he didn't graduate high school. Um... I couldn't find who his mo mother and father were, so they were listed as unknown. But I did find that he does have a sister named Elizabeth. Alright, so now we're just going to jump in to some of the stuff. So when Pearl was dating Asaro, who according to some reports convinced her to actually regain custody of Gabriel... To allegedly hope take advantage of welfare payments. Pearl also expressed concerns about the way her parents and her relatives were treating Gabriel and got custody of Gabriel because, I guess, of the concern she was raising. 
Sandra and Robert had claimed that Pearl was neglectful of her other kids as well. And in one incident, she and Ezekiel were involved in a car crash where Ezekiel suffered injuries because he wasn't wearing a seatbelt. I mean, and you know, they tell you, make sure your kids buckled up before you leave. And make sure, you know, they're in a car seat or whatever and the straps are where they're supposed to be. Another relative also filed a complaint that Pearl was abusing Ezekiel, but social workers claimed to find that complaint was unfounded. In 2007, a relative also reported that Pearl neglected to feed her daughter. Pearl spent a few weeks in jail for using a weapon in a reckless manner. So... To me, CPS had already gotten complaints on how Pearl was before she had gotten Gabriel. Um, and, you know, I just want to know why they couldn't do their jobs. But, you know, it, the further we get into the story, the more it's going to piss you off. Because it pisses me off researching it and watching the doc series and doing these notes. It infuriates me. Um, but like I said in the beginning, I do promise we are going to hit them for social workers. We are going to bounce back to them and two of them will be named in the first part of the podcast. All right. So eventually Gabriel went to live with his mother, Asaro, and his siblings in Palmdale, California. Pearl and Asaro were Gabriel's guardians for less than a year and in that time his grandparents relatives and teachers raised concerns that he was being abused so the whole time he was in their care for less than a year they were like something's not right he was happy healthy and now he goes to live with them and something's wrong and that's just sad his teacher, Jennifer Garcia, who we're going to touch base on now, who also appears in the Netflix series, found out that Gabriel was being hit by a belt buckle. And some of these things that I'm saying now, I'm also going to repeat later to shine some more light onto them. And let me tell you guys, his teacher, Miss Garcia, I'm telling you, she is an angel on earth. She just came down from heaven and she was on it. Let me just tell you. So we're going to hop to 2012. Um, and this is when she first became a student. I mean, this is when Gabriel first became a student in her classroom. Um, she recalled a not a, the first meeting with Pearl and Asaro, and she said they looked very mean, and I didn't want, and I did not want to get on their bad side. Garcia said that Gabriel had lots of behavioral issues. He was angry, and he would kick kids under the table, She and she also said that. At first, his teacher would send notes home to Pearl about his behavior and then got them back signed. 
but even Garcia eventually stopped um, doing that because she believed that Pearl might have been retaliating against Gabriel. Garcia also said she suspected drug use in Gabriel's home based on his comparison to some of the images in the class to a bong and there was a time where he pretended to snort something off of his desk. No eight-year-old should even know what that stuff is. They're eight. That is crazy to me. Gabriel was anxious about his homework, and he was also afraid to go home at times. His teacher said, <clears throat> The first sign of abuse was when he told Garcia that his mother hit him with the buckle at the end of the belt and made him bleed. Gabriel then asked his teacher if that was normal. His teacher said she responded by calling the hotline on October 30th, 2012. And then she got a call the next day from a from the first social worker named Maria Rodriguez, who told the teacher that she was assigned to the case and she would go out to the house and basically investigate. On November 12th, Gabriel showed up with bloody scabs on his head and chunks of his hair cut off. And he told his, he told his teacher his mom hit him, hit him and punched him in the face. Garcia said, prompting her to call Rodriguez again. And as the time went on and new injuries kept appearing, she started to feel like nothing was happening with the case, and she testified that in court. When Gabriel came to school on January 13th with bruises all over his face, he first said that he'd fallen down but then he ultimately confessed that my mom shot me in the face with a BB gun while making him do exercises. Like I said, you're going to hear me repeat the belt buckle and the BB gun um, because then you kind of get like what Gabriel said to the social worker and everything. So just hang on, bear with me. Um, Gabriel's mother, at an early earlier parent-teacher conference that they had, had told her, I don't hit my kids, I make them do exercises. And Garcia also testified that in court as well. Twice, Gabriel asked his teacher if she could call that lady. Even though Garcia said she never told him about her own calls to the child welfare hotline. So when he told her that, like, hey, call the lady, she was like, probably thinking, I never said anything to him. So she must be showing up. And maybe, maybe she thought things would get better. But I think in her mind, I think she knew that that wasn't because he was still coming up with all of these injuries um 
but he was also frightened about the consequences and he told his teacher that when that lady comes I hurt worse or like he gets hurt worse she also testified that in court Rodriguez told the teacher she had a regular schedule visit so that it wouldn't be tied to any particular incidents according to Garcia who said she also tried to get counseling or some other type of help for Gabriel but there were no other services that they could offer at that time other than a flyer about family counseling to send home to his mother and you know she was convinced that the mother wouldn't participate and might hurt Gabriel more when she saw that flyer so Garcia said that she just threw it in the trash which I mean I don't blame her because you know you're sending stuff home you're sending letters and you're getting him back signed but you're also seeing the results of what's happening to him so she just was like I I just can't send him I can't send that home because I can't see him in any more pain and like I said this lady's an absolute angel angel that's what she is all right His teacher also reported that on one occasion, he had came to school um, wearing a dress. And, you know, that right there, how are you going to make your eight-year-old wear a dress to school? Now I can see, like, if he said, I want to wear a dress to school, I'd be like, okay, that's fine. Because you want to wear it. I would not make, I would not physically make my child to wear a dress to humil- so to embarrass themselves or for me to have them embarrassed or for like me to be like oh yeah you're going to be humiliated at school that's funny no that's crazy i mean i just can't understand how this happened to this poor little boy um and you know i'll say it now and i'll say it probably multiple times that these people the social workers um and stuff like that they definitely failed gabriel 100 percent. and you know and i fully believe they did his teacher also found a note hidden in his desk um days before she learned about his brutal murder um she found a shaky handwriting note and this is what it said I love you mom and Gabriel is a good boy wow I guess I can just say wow um for an eight-year-old boy to say like he is a good boy if something about it is just spine chilling because you're eight of course you're a good boy. I mean, maybe not an angel and you, you know, you know how kids are. Like, they lied and, and you know, that's okay because everybody's that. I mean, adults do that. 
But for an eight-year-old to say, it's just something about that note that says, I love you, mom, and Gabriel's a good boy. I just can't put my finger on why he why he would say that. Um, but I think... I think he was a sweet, innocent child who actually was just looking for his mom's love and attention and she wasn't giving it to him. And she probably was like, oh, you're bad, you're bad, you're bad. And that's probably why he wrote, Gabriel is a good boy. And, you know, he just wanted her love and attention. That's all he wanted. So... Now we're going to hop into the social workers, and this took the most out of my research, and I'm like, whoa. So here we go. Um, the four social workers in this case are named Kevin Baum, Patricia Clement, Ma- Maria Rodriguez, and Gregory Merritt. Um, so I found, when I was researching, I actually found this, like, whole, like, uh, I guess it's like a court paper of, like, what they were tried with or whatever, or what they had against them. And it's 44 pages long. Now, I'm not saying I'm going to write every single thing down, but I am going to take the most, I mean, it's all important, but I'm going to take, like, the stuff that I know I can use in this, um... I only think I'm on, like, page six or seven on it so far. So, we're gonna definitely read the stuff from the records. And it's it's crazy. So, from these records, it shows that Pearl had had a history of drug use and that the family had been the subject of four prior prior referrals to DCFS between 2003 and 2011. But DCFS determined that each prior referral was unfounded. I mean, how? Just how? And you're going to think about that the more I read from these pages that I found. I promise. So, Kevin was Maria's supervisor in this and we're gonna focus on maria on this first part i only think kevin like comes up like once when gabriel's teacher made the calls and maria went out to the home she observed that the three-bedroom apartment had functioning utilities and adequate food so that's basically i guess when a social worker comes in, they make sure all your stuff works and then you have food so you can properly feed your child. She saw no drug paraphernalia in the home. Um, Pearl also told Maria that she had been a gang member and had a history of cocaine abuse and alcohol abuse. Goodness. And had been clean for about over five months. She also said she takes a prescription for narco- prescription narcotic for arthritis pain. And agreed to a drug test. 
Poor also said she suffered from anxiety and depression and previously received mental health benefits. I'm sorry, not benefits, mental health services. According to Pearl, Gabriel said his report to his teacher, Garcia, was motivated by his desire to live with his grandmother again. I mean, yeah, I could see that because he was definitely thriving with his uncle, his uncles, and his grandparents. I could see why he would want to go back. She also said that Gabriel had started to hear like these little voices in his head and had aggression aggression issues. She also believed the reason he mimicked snorting cocaine in his classroom was because he had watched this movie called Blow in school. Pearl did admit to spanking Gabriel with a belt once. And she said she did it because he had been lying and stealing. So she thought beating him on the butt with the metal of the belt buckle to make him bleed justified her actions somehow. But Pearl, that's not how this works. No, you don't do that to a child. You could have just like swatted his butt with your hand. That's it. You didn't have to do anything like that. But now... Um, But Maria told Pearl that spanking a child with an object was inappropriate. I mean, really, that's all you're going to say about that? I mean, what? No. She then spoke to the other children, and they all said they felt safe there and denied any abuse, drugs, or domestic violence in the home. Mostly... I think mostly they were all told to lie and that's what they had to say. Or there probably would have been consequences if I had to guess. Um, Gabriel did end up denying that his mom hit him with a belt. And his siblings said they never seen Pearl hit Gabriel with any objects. Um... VF, which is Virginia Fernandez, they used the older two's initials. So if you were like VF, because it took me a long time to think about who that was, and I was like, oh, I know who that is. So VF reported that her mother spanked her with a belt only once. And that's all I found on that in in my papers. Um, Gabriel did say the bump on his face was caused by bumping into the corner of the bathroom door when his mother closed it without realizing he was um, in the bathroom doorway. And the scratch on his hand was caused by falling down. He told her, hold on, goodness, I'm sorry, (laughs) excuse me, Um, he told her that his mom helps him with homework and denied that she makes him stay up all night to finish it. I couldn't imagine if my son, if one, if my oldest, because he's older, obviously, if my oldest was that age, I could not imagine him staying up that, making me, I'm sorry, let me go back. If my oldest was eight years old, I could not imagine making him stay up all night to complete homework. 
because they need their sleep. Like, that's just weird. What he told his teacher, he explained what he told his teacher, he said he basically basically explained it as a joke. Maria observed observed a bruise approximately the size of a quarter on Gabriel's butt and marked the location of the bruise on a body chart in Gabriel's case file. So from what I was reading, I guess um, the social workers, if someone's being abused, they have these body charts and they have to circle where the bruises are and see, I guess to see like if they keep going back, if there's more bruises. I'm not a social worker, guys. That's just my input. But I, that, I mean, a body chart, that's what it seems like to me. On November 12th, Pearl and Tony, they called Asaro Tony, submitted to a drug test, which they came back negative. On November 20th, 2012, Maria dropped by unannounced to visit the family home. She reported she did not see any marks or bruises on the children, indicating abuse or neglect. Pearl then told Maria that Gabriel had been had been behaving better since Tony asked a deputy sheriff to let Gabriel sit in the back of his patrol car to see what it was like to be a criminal. How are you going to do that to your your eight year old? You're going to scare the daylights out of him and be like, "Yeah, you know, if you keep lying, this is on." The doctors, if you keep lying, you're going to be in the back of this cop car and you're going to be taken away. You don't say that to an eight-year-old. I'm sorry. That's wrong. And shame on that police officer who I don't know your name for even doing that. That's, no, you don't do that. Okay, so remember when I said, when I mentioned that his teacher, Miss Garcia, Reported he had a busted lip and a weird haircut. We're about to jump a little bit more into that. And I'm going to tell you what Gabriel told his social worker, Maria. Okay. Well, when the social worker went back to the home to visit because his teacher ended up calling. Because what she told him on the phone, you know... Chunks of hair missing, scabs, and the busted lip. I'm telling you, something's not right. So, Maria went out to investigate. Gabriel told her he had bit his lip, and he gave himself that own haircut because he wanted to look like a dragon, so he had it like a mohawk style. He also said... That his mom didn't spank or hit him anywhere on his body recently. And denied that she punched him in the fit, punched him in the mouth. She didn't make any marks on the body chart this time. You know, she should have marked the busted lip and the patches of hair that were missing. But she didn't. She then again spoke to the other siblings 
and they denied any abuse. VF told Maria that Gabriel injured his lip by falling on the front steps. But if you remember, Gabriel told the social worker, Maria, that he got it because he bit his lip. Which is weird because their stories don't match up. She also spoke to Gabriel's maternal aunt, who was there visiting. And this is what she said about Gabriel. She said, when Gabriel was younger, he would smear feces all over the wall, get into fights, cut little girl's hair, and bite the family dog on the private parts. And their cats, I guess he bit their ears and paws. Sorry, I just thought I heard something. (laughs) Okay, so. Oh, it's my neighbors. Goodness. (laughs) Alright. It was just like dead silence. I'm sorry. Oh, I lost my place. Okay. I found it. Per also told Maria that she had spanked Gabriel twice recently because he misbehaved but did not use a belt or any object. Pearl also said she was interested in services for Gabriel to address his behavioral issues. There were no reports or incidents concerning Gabriel during the next four four weeks. And so, and so, as far as the records reveal, no communication between Pearl or Gabriel had any petitioners during that time. On December 27, 2012, Maria presented the case to a social worker in the DCF's facility, family preservation unit for a possible transfer or to be promoted to that unit with a connection with the promotion of the case to the family preservation unit. Maria completed a sign and document titled Investigation Nature, I'm sorry, Investigation Narrative which provided a summary of the referral contacts and family history concerning Gabriel's case. The investigation concluded that the allegations of physical abuse were inconclusive, but added an allegation of general abuse based on corporal discipline, based on DCFS risk assessments methods, the family was placed in a high-risk category immediately. The document was prepared on or about December 28, 2012 and signed by her supervisor, Kevin Boom. And Maria in July 13, 2013. Maria also prepared a case plan and family assessment.
the case plan stated that Pearl's discipline had been rigid and punitive to the detreatment I'm pretty sure I said that wrong of the children and that her inappropriate corporal discipline substantiated allegations of general neglect. The plan further stated that the children were physically healthy and that Pearl was cooperative, motivated, um, motivated to solve her problems, willing to accept services, and she was willing to change. I firmly believe you could tell people X, Y, Z, and if they don't want to change, they're not going to. They have to change on their own, and I firmly believe that. The plan included, as well as counseling for Pearl and the children, and physical, physical exams for the children as needed, and contact with the social worker twice each month. On January 16, 2013, Maria then visited the home and saw the children who reported they were doing very well. She did not see any bruises or marks indicating of abuse or neglect and reported that they are all visible healthy, nor did she see any endangering endangering elements in the house that would cause immediate concern so they didn't ba so basically they didn't find anything when she popped up there man i just got like my eyes got blurry pearl told maria that things have been going very well and there were no recent behavioral issues with gabriel on july 29th 2012 i'm sorry Ju not july on january 29th 2013 his teacher called maria, maria again and reported that gabriel had returned to school after a week's absence with a swelling with swelling under the eye and some little bruises on his face his teacher said that when Gabriel was among other children assuming the classroom he said he had fallen off his bed while playing video games with his brother while she spoke to Gabriel alone however she and this we're gonna repeat what I said before that we'd be going back to it so when they spoke silently Gabriel confided that she shot that Pearl shot him in the face with a BB gun. And, you know, that's just terrible. And on that, I'm going to end part one. Um, I think we still have some more of Maria to cover. And everything like that. But that, that's it for part one. And, like I said... This case is hard. Voice crackled a little bit. And I'm just like, oh. Like I said, I told myself I knew I would do this case. But it needs to be out there. Anyway, guys. If you like this, follow me on Instagram at Just a Girl and True Crime. 
follow my Facebook group at Just a Girl in True Crime. Send me an email at Just a Girl in True Crime at gmail.com. And I will be seeing, not seeing, I will be speaking to you guys tomorrow or Tuesday. Thank you.